Hello, friends, and welcome to the What If Project podcast. My name is Glenn. It is awesome to see you here today. Um, update, it is going to snow. Apparently, that is what everyone is saying. Uh, I live with my wife and daughter in North Carolina, and apparently snow is not a thing down here like it was in New Jersey, and so everyone is freaking out. Um, they're saying, <laughs> I saw uh, the forecast of the day said one inch, to 12 inches. So they kind of gave themselves a little bit of wiggle room. You know, we might get an inch, might get a foot. I guess we'll just kind of have to see what happens. But now they've narrowed it down to four to eight inches. Uh, So still don't know exactly what we're going to get, what to expect. Um, It is cloudy. It is starting to rain a little bit. They're more concerned about the ice. So I guess we'll see what happens. It should be an interesting experience. Um, I will keep you posted uh, next time around. Uh, But for now, this is episode number 17, and uh, I'm calling it That Time a Church Board Member Told Me That I Wasn't Allowed to Serve Communion to Gay People. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Let me read that again. Uh, The time, that time a church board member told me that I was not allowed to serve communion to gay people. Um, So way back in 2008, uh, I was the lead pastor of an old Dutch Reformed church. Uh, Now stop right there and try to imagine that, okay? Finding me in the pulpit every Sunday in one of the most theologically conservative and traditional churches on the planet, okay? Interesting experience for sure. I will never ever forget Uh, the first time that I was going to serve communion to the congregation. Now, let me pause really quick. Um, Communion, for those of you who might not be aware or as familiar, is when the pastor or priest serves the congregation a small piece of bread and a small cup of wine as an act of remembering the Last Supper, which was the meal that uh, Jesus ate with his disciples the night before he was crucified. And uh, remembering kind of all that took place in the days that followed as his body was pierced and his his blood was shed. Now, some churches do this monthly. Um, Others do it every quarter. A handful do it every every Sunday. Our church did it every quarter. I think it was the first Sunday of every quarter or something like that. Um, On the surface, it might not sound like a a big deal, but it's, it's a huge thing in the church as we aim to kind of slow down our minds and our hearts and our lives uh, long enough to try and place ourselves back in that room Uh, back at that table some 2,000 years ago, and uh, dwell on Jesus and his crucifixion and what all of that means for us. Uh, So anyways, we had this board meeting uh, with the elders and deacons of the church the week before this particular communion Sunday, which was my first one in that church. And one of the elders asked me point blank, he says, so on Sunday, we're having communion. It's a holy sacrament, you know, in the church. So tell me, what will you do if a gay couple comes to church and wants to take communion? And what will you do if someone who is not a, quote, professed Christian wants to come and take communion? What will you do? What will I do? (laughs) I said, I don't know. You know, like maybe probably what what Jesus would do. I mean, give them something to eat, right? I mean, I, I don't know. What, 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 what do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to serve them communion, right? Well, apparently that was the wrong answer because he then ex- kind of proceeded to tell me exactly what he and the rest of the board expected me to do. 
And that was more or less tell them that they are not welcome at the table. Uh, The gay couple would first need to stop being gay. And the other person would need to accept Jesus, quote, into their heart and give their life to him, whatever in the world that means. In other words, unless these people believe like we believe, they live like we live, and they say the magical prayer that we've all said to get us into heaven, they aren't welcome at God's table. Now, now that sounds a lot like Jesus, right? <laughs> because like all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus kicking away the outcasts all the time, right? Sorry, man, uh, but you, you can't have anything to eat because you, know, you don't really believe uh, the right things about me. Or, oh, I'm so sorry, miss, but you're still dripping in the perfume that you used to lure men into your bed last night, so get your act together and come back next time. Or, hey, I didn't hear you say that sinner's prayer, you know, the thing that you recite. You didn't, you didn't say it, so once you recite it to me uh, and I come into your heart, well, then you can come back and have something to eat. I'll, I'll save you some um, over here to the side, okay? Now, of course, I'm being sarcastic, right? Because Jesus welcomed everyone to his table, right? Every single person. And and never once did he strong arm anyone into holding certain doctrines, uh, changing their lives, or saying a magical prayer before taking a seat at the table uh, at the place that he saved for them. Regardless of what they believed, uh, how they lived, or what prayers they did or didn't say, everyone was welcome to his table, especially the people that the church leaders and church boards said weren't welcome the tax collectors, the pagans, the lepers, the prostitutes, even the other church leaders, right? Everyone, everywhere was welcome to come. Now, I should say that the, the bigger issue for this particular board that I was involved with uh, was that they 100% undoubtedly believed that homosexuality and everything that falls within the confines of LGBTQ is a, quote, sin, And since they believed it to be sinful, uh, they saw LGBTQ people as deliberately breaking some sort of God-ordained law, and therefore saw it as their right to push those people away. Now, you can read my thoughts about um, LGBTQ inclusion in a previous um, blog post, and also there's a podcast episode that I did with Dr. Phil Snyder, um, who is an LGBTQ activist. We talked a lot about stuff there. Um, I don't think homosexuality is a sin, uh, nor do I think that any kind of special judgment awaits the LGBTQ community. I think all of that is quite ridiculous. But my point to this particular elder board was even if, even if homosexuality was some kind of special sin, and I don't believe it is, and even if not, quote, accepting Jesus into your heart gets you sent to hell, and I don't think it does, Uh, We have no right to exclude anyone from God's table. And so I refuse to be used as some kind of a a puppet that would exclude and push people um, away from God. Anyway, so that was kind of my point to them. And and that experience that I had with this particular board on that particular evening um, at my old church sent me on this uh, almost personal journey of sorts to kind of think deeper about the meanings of communion and exactly what happens when we sit down at God's table and take the bread and we take the wine. Like, like what is the purpose of this ancient ritual that on the surface definitely seems to be kind of weird, right? Because really, in the Gospels, Jesus' table 
was like the most inclusive place in the universe where everyone was welcome to come. But in the church, it's almost become one of the most exclusive places you'll find anywhere. And since there's a, obviously a huge disconnect between what it was then and what it is now, I think it's kind of important for us to kind of rethink, you know, what communion is, um, how to make it more inclusive in the way that it was, um, in, I think, in Jesus's mind, and why it's such an important part of the church today. So, so let's talk about, let's break some of that down um, in the rest of our time together. Mark 14, we're making our way through the book of Mark. Uh, we're kind of nearing the the last chunk right now in Mark 14, and uh, we're told that Jesus and his, and his disciples were sharing uh, the Passover meal together in a room somewhere in Jerusalem. And partway through the meal, Mark says that Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take it, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. This is my blood uh, of the covenant, which is poured out for many." Truly I tell you, he said, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. Okay, so first of all, he gave them bread, which he said represented his body. Second, he gave them wine, which he said represented his blood. Never though, never, not once, did he say that only certain people were welcome to partake in this sacred meal, right? Only the people who lived in a certain way only the people who believed in certain things, only the people who you fill in the blank. Now, I know what some of you, maybe some of you who are more uh, well-read in the Bible, I know what you might be thinking, right? But what about the writings of Paul? Because Paul said flat out uh, that some people, that for some people, judgment awaited them if and when they came to the communion table. So that means that there are people who can come to the table, right, and be judged by God. Now, there's a couple things here. Number one, uh, we need to stop treating Paul's letters like they and they alone are the gospel. Right? We need to stop treating Paul's letters like they are the writings for the more mature Christians and the teachings of Jesus like they're just the kid stuff. In other words, we need to stop uh, reading the stories of Jesus through the lens of Paul. I think we need to flip it. We need to read Paul through the lens of Jesus and his life. Because then and only then do I think we will come away with an accurate picture of what's really going on in Paul's letters. Um, I think the life of Jesus is what infuses the power into the writings of Paul in the New Testament. Second thing, yes, there are verses in Paul's letters, to the Corinthians, in fact, that might be able to be used to build a case that only followers of Jesus are welcome to take communion because Paul says that it's possible to come to the communion table and, quote-unquote, drink judgment on yourself. But I think that case that you might be able to build really kind of falls apart when those verses are put back into their context. Uh, Real quick, the thing to realize is that Paul was not talking about being judged for drinking the wine and eating the bread while having the wrong beliefs about Jesus or living in a way that some church board somewhere said is wrong. He's talking rather to the Corinthian church. The Corinthians had a habit of actually coming to the communion table and getting drunk on the wine. Uh, They would get filled up with the bread and they would hog everything so that there wasn't enough to go around for everybody else. And so this, Paul said, can't happen. If you're going to come to the table, you're going to drink and eat judgment on yourself. And so he wasn't reprimanding people for coming to the table 
with the wrong beliefs about Jesus, but he was reprimanding the Corinthian church specifically, rather, for coming to the table and getting fat and loaded on the elements uh, on the table that were representations of Jesus' body and blood. But when we pull that verse into 2018 and forget all of that context, we end up building a case that excludes people at what is supposed to be the most inclusive place in all of the world, God's table. Anyway, so first, right, Jesus gives them the bread that represents his body. Then he gives them the wine that represents his blood. He takes it, he blesses it, he breaks the bread, they eat it, they drink. Um, After many months of kind of mulling over this story, following the conversation I had with my elder board at the church, here's what I came away with. It's very simple, but I think it really breathes some fresh life um, into exactly what communion is and what happens um, at the Lord's table. Uh, If the crucifixion is the place where Jesus' body and blood were separated from his body, with his blood like literally exiting his body, dripping on the ground below, right? So if the crucifixion is the place where Jesus' body and blood were separated, right, with his blood literally dripping out onto the ground below, then communion is the place where his body and blood symbolically come back together again inside of you and me. So that his body, his blood, his life force, his energy, his grace, his love, his peace, his divinity can flow through our veins and empower us to be his representatives and his vessels of inclusion, love, forgiveness, and peace to a hurting world. Let me, let me, let me just kind of go back through that one more time. What is communion, right? What is happening at the communion table? Again, if the crucifixion is the place where Jesus' body and blood were separated from each other, right? With his blood literally dripping out of his body onto the ground below, then communion is the place where his body and blood symbolically come back together again through the bread and the wine inside of you and me. So that his body, his blood, his life force, his divinity, energy, grace, love, peace can flow through us and empower us to be his representatives of inclusion and love and forgiveness and peace to a hurting world. Um, everybody is welcome to partake in such a meal, right? Because everybody is made in the image of God. And quite frankly, the world needs everyone to be infused with that kind of love and grace and mercy that Jesus so amazingly modeled for us throughout his life and especially on the cross. So what I wanted to tell you guys today is come to the table and eat. Um, You are allowed to do that. I would encourage you, if at all possible, find a place where you can do that. Uh, Maybe it's with a, a circle of friends. Maybe we're not involved in a church. That's fine. Maybe it's just sitting down with a circle of friends who um, you're kind of on a journey of faith together and you're exploring God and Jesus and spirituality and stuff. Get those people together. Sit down around your kitchen table, grab a loaf of bread, grab your favorite drink, read through this passage together and talk about even what we talked about in this this episode. Um, Talk about that idea of the body and blood coming back together inside of you and then brainstorm together uh, what you can do as a small group of people that can make a, a difference in your in your part of the world. So maybe you want to do it with your family. Maybe you want to do it with a circle of friends. Maybe you do it in church every Sunday. That's cool. I encourage you to, I challenge you to share 
this idea about communion with the people in your church and kind of see where that um, may go. But whoever you are, whatever your, your situation is, you are welcome at the table, so come and eat. And what I do want to tell you is uh, stay tuned for an invite that will be going up on Facebook sometime early in 2019 for a virtual time of communion uh, where you can join me uh, using Zoom video chat and we will share uh, the communion elements together. I will read um, through this passage from Mark or maybe one of the other um, gospel stories that talk about uh, the Last Supper. I'll read through it and probably summarize a little bit of what we talked about in this episode, and then we'll share communion together uh, from all parts of the country, maybe even all parts of the world, uh, depending where you are, and it will be a really great um, time. So until then, my friends, um, grace and peace and love to you. Uh, This is episode number 17, and I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for dropping by the podcast today. Um, It was amazing to hang out with you. Uh, I just wanted to say really quick two last things. Um, Number one, I wanted to point you in the direction of a really helpful app that I came across a couple weeks ago called the Our Bible App. And maybe you've heard of like the YouVersion Bible App that like a thousand people have downloaded on their phones. Uh, But similar to that, this app has different translations of the Bible that you can look at. There are some um, devotionals that you can go through, um, links to podcasts and things like that. The biggest difference is that the content of those things and that you find in those things is going to be very similar to the stuff that you find here on the What If Project. Um, very progressive thinking, very liberal thinking in terms of how uh, we understand and talk about the Bible. Uh, so not like super conservative, more traditional ideas. Uh, but things that are really pushing people to think outside of the box. And the biggest thing I really love about it is that it's really geared uh, towards LGBTQ inclusion. Uh, So if you are someone who is LGBTQ, there's a lot of stuff on there for you uh, that will help you more deeply connect with your creator uh, who loves you um, and adores you deeply. Uh, So I would encourage you to go and check that out, uh, the Our Bible app. And secondly, the last thing I wanted to say is if this, if this thing has encouraged you at all, this podcast, uh, the blog, the What If Project, would you please uh, just consider going over to iTunes um, or even uh, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, wherever it is that you're listening to this, and just leave a rating, uh, leave some stars, leave a comment, because it helps people who might come across it better uh, know what to expect, but it also helps move the, the podcast up in terms of the um, rating. So, you know, the more ratings there are, the more the algorithm in iTunes or whatever platform kind of works with those ratings to uh, make it more findable for people. So if they're searching for something in particular, uh, this podcast might pop up and they might be able to see it. Uh, so right now, I think there are like 17 ratings on there with a whole bunch of comments. I would love it, love it, love it. If you haven't done it already, please go over there. Um, check that out. Do that for me. I would be eternally grateful. If you hate the podcast, don't go over there. Uh, You're probably going to go to hell anyway. I'm just kidding. That wasn't funny. I know. But anyway, don't don't go over there and leave me hate mail. If you want it, if you hate it, email me. But if you hate it, you probably haven't, you probably wouldn't be listening to it this far anyway. You probably would have shut this thing off at least 10 minutes ago. Uh, So anyway, that said, head over to iTunes, head over to whatever, Leave me some comments, leave some ratings, 
uh, go check out that app and have a wonderful, super fantastic rest of your day. And I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.